What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Let's regrade Mike Hazen's offseason moves, and let's do a little series preview for the Detroit Tigers, all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, portfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. Now, the D-backs, unfortunately, their game got postponed, and it was probably for the right reasons, right? There is a massive Canadian wildfire. The smog is bleeding over to the East Coast. I know because I got a lot of family in New Jersey and New York. Don't forget, guys, I am an East Coast native, not Arizona local born. I'm sorry if I'm a fraud for y'all, but my family is okay. They are safe. They are secure. They are staying inside right now, so... Shout out to everyone who is stopping that pollution, if anyone even is. I don't know really what's going on out there. Hopefully everyone's okay. But the game got postponed because of the poor air quality conditions. So I guess the D-backs get a two-game sweep against the Washington Nationals. Don't know quite yet when that game is being um, rescheduled. I didn't really look too far into it because it's already on to the next one so the d-backs will take their two games over the washington nationals and now by the time you guys are listening to this podcast it's time to take on the detroit tigers but for today's podcast this segment the next one since the d-backs now have an off day i want to go revisit the off season go back in the time machine and grade mike hazen's offseason moves through 60 games now because of course i think you could say um the moves have been working out for mike hazen right you look at the d-backs current standings or you look at where the d-backs are currently in the standings still in first place in the nl west now the dodgers were lucky enough to avoid a sweep against the cincinnati red so they're only a game and a half back at the time of me recording this podcast but the d-backs 37 and 25 Second best record in the National League. They are currently sitting pretty. And so for the D-backs, a lot of their success can be attributed to their offseason moves. The mastery that Mike Hazen has been able to do this past offseason. And also through the draft and picking, handpicking a lot of these young players. So let's talk about the offseason. Let's look at some of the moves that Mike Hazen made. Let's discern grades to the players in transactions that Mike Hazen was a part of this past offseason. Let's start with the Dalton Varsho 
trade and that move was an A and let's get into the players because I gave Gurriel an A and Gabriel Moreno a B plus and once again like we've talked about if you look at Dalton Varsho's stats he's starting to heat up a little bit because I do have him on a couple of fantasy teams and he's still got the power speed combo 11 home runs eight stolen bases but below a 700 OPS around a 220 average Dalton Varsho is still an elite defender but hasn't quite cut it yet and we know throughout his career watching him with the D-backs he's been a second half player so we can still he still has plenty of time to improve on his numbers and get better throughout the course of the season but the two guys that the D-backs acquired from that trade, if they just stayed consistent and just continued playing at the level that they currently are, they don't even have to get better. If they just stay at the level that they currently are, the D-backs would be happy with that because Lords Gurriel has been a revelation for the D-backs this season. Gurriel's numbers, I know he's missed the last couple games because of growing tightness, but he is batting. 310 currently with a 909 OPS and he's on pace if this keeps up to have a career high in both batting average and OPS and in 2022 in only 121 games Lords Goriel had five home runs he already has nine home runs in 53 games this year I believe he's also on pace to have his highest home run record of his career so Goriel has been fantastic for the D-backs this season as a true Middle of the order of bat, batting number three, batting number two, batting number five. Like, Gurriel has been elite in the middle of that order for the D-backs. He's been great when you put Ketel Marte, Corbin Carroll, Gurriel, and Christian Walker in some combination, one through four. Like, that is going to put some numbers on the board. And then when you get guys like Emmanuel Rivera, the Jig McCarthy's, the Perdomo's helping out as well, the Gabriel Moreno's of the world helping out as well. That's when Gurriel can really take advantage of his situation. And batting third this year has been the most optimal spot for Gurriel this year. He's batted third more than any other position for the D-backs. And when he bats third, 305 average, 854 OPS. He's been really elite batting third. And that's been his go-to position in the lineup for the D-backs this past season. And Gurriel, I, I just don't think enough people... I don't think enough people have really talked about how elite this guy has been in clutch situations for the D-backs this season. A 327 average and a 1030 OPS with runners in scoring position. But with runners just on a 359 average and a 1053 OPS, this guy has been insane this year. In high leverage moments, a 432 average, a 1301 OPS. And in innings 7 through 9, he's batting 371 with over 1,000 OPS. As the game gets later... As runners get on board, um, as the pressure rises, Lords Gurriel only gets better as a player, which is always something you want to see. Back against the wall, Gurriel gets better. He made a couple great defensive plays too. Like Gurriel has a couple of not walk-offs, but hits in the ninth inning to tie the game or take the lead on the road. So Gurriel, fantastic, has looked like a superstar for the D-backs this year. And if the D-backs want to extend him, I'm perfectly fine with that. I know the D-backs are pretty loaded in the outfield, but if you told me next season we get, uh, we maybe we have four outfielders, but if it's Carroll, Gurriel, and then we'll see between Jake McCarthy and Dominic Fletcher, whoever performs better, because of course Carroll looks like a superstar. And if Gurriel keeps this up, like why shouldn't the D-backs keep him? They shouldn't rush to send him away to greener pastures. I love what Gurriel's done this season. I would like to see him at least for another couple more years. Gabriel Moreno, also in that deal. 
Um, really strong season. Offensively, you see the strengths and weaknesses where Gabriel Moreno, really strong contact hitter, knows how to put the ball in play. That's not the issue. The issue with Gabriel Moreno is he doesn't provide a ton of power. His slugging is only 363 this year. And he doesn't get on base as much as you would want either. 11 walks compared to 34 strikeouts. But I just think he always puts together good at bats. He's a very above average base runner, not just for a catcher, just in general. Major League Baseball got a little bit of wheels. I think he's a good offense player, and I think his bat is going to continue to improve not just throughout the course of this season, but just throughout the entirety of his major league career. I think there's another level to tap with Gabriel Moreno as an offensive player. I don't think he's going to be Buster Posey or something like that, but could he be like, I don't know, a baby JT Romuto maybe with a little bit less pop? Maybe that's potentially in play. I don't know what level catchers too crazy to say Joe Maurer too crazy to say as an offensive catcher probably but I could see Moreno in his career being like a 290 hitter 750 OPS like 12 home runs 12 stolen bases and just being a really strong offensive player cog maybe batting six in your lineup I don't think he's a guy that should bat ninth like I think he's a real potential offensive weapon as a catcher maybe he should be a guy that bats lead off with his contact skills if you're going to put Paven Smith up there in the leadoff spot but where Corb not Corbin Carroll where Gabriel Moreno where Gabriel Moreno has really made his money this season has been from the defensive position because Gabriel Moreno as a catcher has been absolutely elite this year actually leads major league baseball in caught stealing percentage half the time he's throwing out runners Gabriel Moreno behind the plate as we've talked about with Sully Baseball and other podcast hosts, having a defensive catcher is as important as ever with the new pickoff rules. It's harder to keep those guys, those speedsters, on base. The bases are also bigger, so the path is just a little bit shorter. And which and with the pitch clock, I think pitchers are just more focused on batters more than ever. So you need that defensive catcher back there to really help the overall defense and your pitchers. And sometimes, like we've seen a lot this year, when you do have those pickoff attempts to get used up by the pitcher. Sometimes it's the catcher that's to throw down a first base or third base to keep that runner on. So Gabriel Moreno with an arm with the arm he has and his ability to throw out runners this season, that has been a very important skill. And Gabriel Moreno at the dish, at the plate could get a little bit better, but behind the plate, he's been absolutely electric for the D-backs this season. Now, we're going to continue to give out grades to Mike Hazen's offseason moves. But before we get there, I want to talk to you guys about game time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. That's why I prefer game time because game time gives you the best flash deals and last minute ticket offers. Game time is the place to go exactly for that. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps in your set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. 
Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Now let's get back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Let's continue to give out grades to the offseason moves that Mike Hazen has made. I gave an overall grade to the Dalton Varsho trade and gave an A to how Gurriel has played this year and a B plus to Moreno for being solid at the plate and elite behind the plate. But now let's continue. How about we talk about Kyle Lewis, who was acquired in that Cooper Hummel deal. And I talked about, you know, at the time of the trade about how it was a fleece for the Arizona Diamondbacks to get Kyle Lewis, not just because he was a former Rookie of the Year, but the fact that you got a former Rookie of the Year for someone like Cooper Hummel, who just isn't a Major League player. I remember Mariners fans were trying to tell me, no, he's going to be a versatile guy. He'll play all over the field. He's going to be good. Guess what? Cooper Hummel only played 10 games for the Mariners, 23 at-bats, had two hits in those 23 at-bats. I don't even know where he is now. Cooper Hummel does not have a future with the Seattle Mariners. And maybe Kyle Lewis doesn't have a future with the Arizona Dimebacks because I think that move has been probably a C-. minus. Now, when Kyle Lewis was playing, because he missed a lot of time due to injury, so I don't want to really hold that against him. But even when, even when he was playing for the D-backs, he only had three hits and 18 at-bats, so slightly better than a Cooper Hummel. But he also had nine strikeouts and zero walks. He did have one home run, but Kyle Lewis was brought in to be another platoon power bat. And with guys like Evan Longoria already doing that, someone like Emmanuel Rivera having a really strong season as well, it's just a little bit tougher to find a spot for Kyle Lewis currently. Now, I do think he's probably playing a little bit better. It sounds like he's been heating up a little bit in the minors with the AAA uh, Reno Aces. He currently has over 800 OPS down in AAA. He's got a handful of home runs. So I think we probably will see Kyle Lewis again this season. But do I think he'll have a real impact on this D-backs team? Can he really play the outfield? I don't know. Could he take like a Paven Smith job? Potentially. But the D-backs probably want to replace Paven Smith with another lefty as opposed to another power righty DH. So Kyle Lewis currently a little bit tough his path back to the major league level, but I do think he'll have another cup of coffee with the D-backs this season, and if he looks good in that instance, then maybe he could provide a little bit of value for the D-backs this year and maybe provide a couple clutch hits in the postseason if we get there. The next person on my list I want to discuss is Evan Longoria, who I would give a B- to. Evan Longoria is kind of slightly better than what... um. Jordan Luplo was last year, right? Because Jordan Luplo was basically just a guy that was hitting bombs and not doing much else. He had a couple fantastic defensive plays, but he was basically a home run hitter. And Evan Longoria right now, I think is slightly better than that. He does have eight home runs, but he also has a near 800 OPS. And I think Evan Longoria offensively, he still crushes left-handed pitching. Against righties, you don't really want to throw him out there, but against lefties, he's still crushing it. Currently batting 286 with over a 900 over a 900 OPS against lefties this year. 
when he's played third base this year, his offensive numbers are actually pretty good as well. Like for some reason, he performs a lot better when he's playing in the field than when he's just DHing. And maybe that's because his body's always in motion. The blood is always circulating. His heart's always racing. I don't know what it is, but when he's playing third, he has over an 800 OPS and like a 270 average. When he DHs, a below a 200 average and a below a 750 OPS. I don't know why those numbers are. I just find it interesting that he plays a lot better when he's on the field than when he's off the field. And for Evan Longoria, he's providing the power. He's been all right defensively. Like he is, what, going to be 38 in October. So he's an old, old guy. But I think he's provided solid veteran leadership in the locker room. He's provided pop against lefties, which is what the D-backs brought him in for. And his just overall slash line, not the worst in the world for a guy who's going to be turning 38 soon. So right now, Evan Longoria, I would give a B minus two because based on the expectations I had for him coming into the season, I was like, play 80 games, hit 15 home runs, have like a 750 OPS, play decent defense when we're called upon, and I would be happy with that. I think he's probably provided that this year. He's got a couple big hits throughout the season. Evan Longoria has been just fine for the D-backs, so I'm fine giving him like a B minus. Next up is Scott McGuff, which is, I think we all got like a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Scott McGuff because... If you look at his numbers, just the peripheral numbers from this season, he's got a 303 ERA. He's got a .88 whip, which is like by far the best in the bullpen if you don't count Austin Adams. Like Scott McGuff, by some of the numbers, 10.5 strikeouts per nine, like doesn't give up hits. Like some of the numbers tell you Scott McGuff is having a fantastic season and is arguably the best D-backs reliever. And a lot of that's because he's heated up in the last 28 days. Over his last 16 innings pitch, he's only given up one earned run. And that's really good because Scott McGuff, to start the year, just wasn't super effective at a 3.95 ERA after April and March, which is like fine. But there was a bunch of games within that where you're just like, get him out of this closer role. He is screwing up. He is screwing it up in the ninth inning. And all that makes sense because in save situations this year, Scott McGuff has a 5.02 ERA. But in non save situations, he's got a 1.47 ERA. So, I think we discovered Scott McGuff is an elite reliever when he doesn't have to be the closer. With runners in scoring position, Scott McGuff around a 150 average, a below a 500 OPS. Like he's good in that scenario. Where Scott McGuff is not good is in high leverage moments. He performs worse in high leverage moments as opposed to medium or low leverage, which makes sense. But Scott McGuff, I think at the end of the day, is a seventh inning or eighth inning guy, and the numbers back it up. In the seventh inning, he's given up. He well, he's got 164 ERA in the seventh inning over 11 innings pitch. So he's only given up uh, two earned runs over 11 innings in the seventh inning and only given up three earned runs over 12.2 innings pitch in the eighth inning for a 213 ERA. So he's basically got like a 195 ERA in both the seventh and eighth inning over 20 innings pitch, only five earned runs given up in that time. But in the ninth inning and only 3.1 innings pitch in the ninth inning, he's given up four earned runs. Scott McGuff has been. Awful in the ninth inning for the D-backs this season. As a seventh inning guy, as an eighth inning guy, I like him. And I think the D-backs have finally found the perfect role for him. And then finally, Miguel Castro. I'm going to give him a B plus. The numbers will tell you that, like I just said, maybe Scott McGuff has been better than Miguel Castro this year. But I think it was because Miguel Castro's 
recent bad luck, specifically that grand slam he gave up against the Braves, make his numbers look a lot worse than they are. But I think Scott, I think Miguel Castro, excuse me, has been really strong for the D-backs this year. I've loved Miguel Castro this season. I think his pitches have been nasty. He throws super hard. I think he's got some wicked stuff, to be honest. And I just like the way he looks. I feel like in high leverage moments, I do trust Miguel Castro. Now, I don't think... I'm always changing my mind as whether he should be the closer or not. I think for how this D-backs bullpen is currently constructed, I think I still probably like him the most of all my closing options. But if we have an option to go out there and acquire a closer, I think I would rather do that and then make Miguel Castro either the eighth inning setup guy, high leverage guy, seventh inning guy. Just make a revolving door between Chafin, Castro, Kyle Nelson, and Scott McGuff as who's the go-to you know, seventh or eighth inning guy, and then you just have your go-to closure every day in the ninth inning. I wouldn't mind that at all. Miguel Castro, I trust a lot. I think he's been fantastic for the D-backs this season, even though his current ERA looks a little bit worse than what I think it really is. That's just because he's given up four earned runs in the month of June. He only gave up seven earned runs in the first two months of the season, over 20 innings pitch, where he had like a 2-1-2. He had like a 2.2 ERA before... uh basically that one bad outing against the Atlanta Braves like before that outing against the Braves he had like a two point something ERA and then gives up the grand slam and now his ERA is up to a it's in the mid threes now I think Miguel Castro has pitched a lot better than that this season he's six seven two or one he's the guy I trust the most I think currently even more than Andrew Chafin who has been shaky at times Chafin's pretty up there even more than Kyle Nelson I think because of Miguel Castro's I think I just trust his strikeout ability the most with how he varies his pitches. Even though his strikeouts per nine is like the lowest, I just feel like the most safe and confident with him. Even though a guy like Andrew Chafin, Scott McGuff, they strike out more people, I feel like Castro pounds the zone more. That's probably more anecdotal than statistical, if anything. That's just more of an eye test. But Castro, I get the greatest sense from when he's in the game. I think I have the most trust from Miguel Castro right now. So I would give him a solid B-plus with how he's performed for the D-backs this year. So if I have to recap, Guriel A, Moreno B-plus, Kyle Lewis C, Evan Longoria B-minus, Scott McGuff B, Miguel Castro B-plus. If you add all that up, that's probably a B-plus for Mike Hazen's offseason. I think that's a pretty fair deal. I think I'm probably a tougher grader than most, but if you told me I'm coming home with a B-plus on my report card, I would be pretty happy if I was Mike Hazen. Now, I want to do a little preview of D-backs versus Detroit Tigers. But before we get there, I want to talk to you guys about this comfortable and wonderful pair of shorts I'm wearing called Bird Dogs because Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as a little lemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs use anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long so go to birddogs.com slash lockdown mlb and enter promo code lockdown mlb for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash lockdown mlb for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you 
And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Now let's get back into the Lock on Diamondbacks podcast and preview the D-backs versus Tigers series because, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. This Detroit Tigers team is not too good, and I'm not too worried. I think if the D-backs ended up losing this series, it would be pretty disappointing. Of course, any good team could lose to a bad team, as we just saw with the L.A. Dodgers and Cincinnati Reds, and the Dodgers had to do everything to avoid that sweep. The D-backs, of course, are a great team with how they're playing, and anybody could you know, slip up and get caught. But this should be a series where the D-backs handle their business and take at least two out of three. Because you also have to think about, we always look at the pitching matchups for a series. And this is one of those series where it just breaks down perfectly for the D-backs. If you're a Tigers fan, I'm sorry for you because because the D-backs game was postponed against the Nationals. We're going to have Merrill Kelly on Friday going against the best Tigers pitcher, Michael Lorenzen, and if Merrill Kelly can win that matchup, and I don't see why he couldn't because he's way better than Lorenzen, that gives the D-backs already one game. Ryan Nelson pitches in game two. Of course, he's shaky. Going against Matthew Boyd, who's also shaky, so that game might come down to the offense. Then in game three, you're going to have Zach Gallen in potentially the rubber match against Joey Wentz, who has been He's got 749 ERA over a bunch of starts this season. He's been terrible for the Tigers. So the D-backs are going to have their two best starters going two of the three games. And then Ryan Nelson in that middle game, sandwiched in between the two elite starters. He's also going against someone on his level where the D-backs offense can really take advantage of, which I really like. And just to add insult to injury, when talking about how the Tigers are going to have to face off against the Zach Allens and the Merrill Kellys of the world, like those should be Two games that the D-backs win, not just because those two guys are elite and you're going against a bad Tigers team, but because those two guys are elite and you're going against a bad Tigers team who is dead last in the American League in scoring runs. Think about that. The Oakland A's who are literally putting out single A players and guys who they sign off the streets are scoring more runs than than the Detroit Tigers who once again are just awful offensively and it's been like a multi-year thing with them where it's just like no one in their lineup can produce and it's just so weird they're last in runs they're last in average the last in ops like the tigers are second to last in home runs like they really don't have many redeeming qualities and if you just go through their entire lineup like the guy who scares me the most is it bad if i still say miguel cabrera age 40 that's probably a little bit of a joke i was super excited for spencer torkelson because he is an asu sun devil just like myself and i think he could have a good career but i don't know if it's going to come with the detroit tigers and what they're doing up right what they're doing up there right now because they seem to be absolutely lost and the only guy who has over 800 ops for the detroit tigers is riley green who i think is currently hurt right now so we might not Let me look it up. We might not even see Riley Green in this series against the Arizona Dimebacks, who is their best player. So the fact that the D-backs get to avoid him, the only scary offense player that they have, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough time for the Detroit Tigers to score runs. And you look at their pitching, their pitching is not much better. According to ERA in the American League, the Tigers also have one of the worst ERAs. They are 11th in ERA in the American League. This Detroit Tigers team from top to bottom, it's just straight up bad. And for the D-backs, 
I want them to take advantage of that situation. Take advantage of the fact that this Detroit Tiger team isn't good. Don't give up runs to this meager offense who has struggled scoring because the worst thing that I would want is for this D-backs team to give the Detroit Tigers a little life, a little hope. And when I watch series like this, when I preview series like this where it's the D-backs best pitchers going against a lowly offense, I'm always I always want to make sure the D-backs start off to a good start. Make sure this Detroit Tigers team doesn't get anything going early in the ball game. I don't want to see a Tigers team score runs in the first one, two, or three innings. Like, make sure you keep their offense at bay. I want the D-backs to attack early. And when you look at the Detroit Tigers team, their offense is actually better that second time through the rotation. It's weird. The first time through the rotation, you could really get this Detroit Tigers offense. are terrible. The second time through the rotation, the Tigers offense bats 285. We're near 800 OPS. The middle innings is where the Tigers offense really likes to come through. So for this D-backs pitching staff, they have to be mindful of that. If they get a strikeout in inning one or a flyout in inning one, or at least that first time through the lineup, don't sit on your laurels and think you could do it again just because you look at the Jumbotron and see statistically all these guys suck. The second time through the lineup, these guys start to heat up for some reason. So this D-backs pitching staff has to be cognizant of that. But even with that being said, like who are you really scared of? The best position player, Riley Green, is not going to be there. And the best pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez, for the Detroit Tigers, also won't be there. He's having a fantastic season. He's looking like a Cy Young, and unfortunately, he's hurt. One interesting thing about the Tigers that I do want to talk about real quick before we wrap up, because I got a co-worker of mine who is a big Detroit sports fan, and he loves the Detroit Tigers, and we've talked about, should we do a little Alex for Alex swap? Alex Thomas for Alex Lang? I don't know. I'm curious. I'm thinking about it because I do think, like we've talked about, the D-backs, or I don't know why I call him Alex. Alec for Alex. I don't know why I said Alex. Alec for Alex, Alec Thomas for Alex Lang, because we've talked about it. The D-backs need that closer, and Alec Thomas has struggled with the D-backs offensively, but he's an elite defensive catcher. And if you're the Tigers, you can have Thomas and Alex Lang in the outfield defensively. That will be a major upgrade. And then for the D-backs, you get a true closer who is in his late 20s has looked really good for the Tigers this year. Almost 13 strikeouts per nine, so fits with your new philosophy of how you should build a bullpen. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Alec Thomas for Alex Lang. D-backs get another bullpen piece. They continue to clear that log jam in the outfield because even if they trade Thomas, you still got Gurriel, Carroll, McCarthy, and Fletcher. Still got Drew Jones a couple years away. Like You still got plenty of outfielders, even if you trade Alec Thomas away. I wouldn't be mad at all if the D-backs want to explore a trade like that. So just a little bit to think about as we continuously get closer to the MLB trade deadline. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back to... Not tomorrow, but next week for more Dimebacks News coverage insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. If you do listen every day, put hashtag everydayer in the comment section on YouTube. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Yes.